Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for life. We thank you for being able to breathe, to be able to have our being here today. Many people didn't get a chance to see today, but you allowed us to be here. We are grateful, thankful. We are excited because even in the midst of all the wickedness that's going on, you still prove yourself to be true. Your word is still valid. The enemy is defeated. No matter how great the picture he paints, no matter how theatric the show he puts on, we know that you are still the God who sits on the throne and you look low. You look at all those who are eager to do your will, to follow your commands, to serve you, to worship you. And we are very grateful. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So when you look around the world today, uh, there's no shortage of evil or wickedness, of lies, deception, hatred, manipulation, you name it. Everywhere from politicians to pastors, you see that Satan is having a field day. And, you know, just tremendous satanic movement going on in the world today, more than ever in the history of time. But for many people, they can't see this. No matter how you point it out, no matter what you say to them, no matter how well you describe it, how you articulate it, they cannot see it. In fact, if you share too much information or uh, your information is too strong, people will look at you or categorize you as uh, a conspiracy theorist or somebody who's just confused or lost or hateful or whatever the case may be because they don't see what you see. I deal with it time and time again, in person, in social media, I mean, you name it. I, I bring up the clear examples, the ones that are just as bright as the sunlight of how Satan is moving and people cannot see it. Many are hoping for one day to have uh, what they say a new normal. They're hoping that all of the evil that's in the world today, the hatred, the violence, that one day it'll just pass over. We'll get the right person in office or you'll get the right laws passed. Or people just kind of learn to mind their business, whatever the case may be. These different things that'll happen, maybe the right medication or vaccine that'll come out and we'll just get back to normal. And you can tell people that this doesn't make any kind of sense when you look at the history of time, and they still can't see it. They can't see the fact that the earth has uh, been very upside down, wicked, and has only shown itself to get worse. How people act, how they respond, things that they do. You know, I was talking to some of my uh, students today, and I told them that there was a time when I grew up where you couldn't see the things that you see on TV. It was not allowed. The show would have been canceled immediately. And it would have been all on the news and people would have been upset. But now, everything you think about is on TV. 
you and you don't even have to pay for it like back in the day. If you wanted something X-rated or something very provocative or violent, you had to pay for that. Today it's free. You know, or you may have to pay like a twelve ninety nine subscription for uh, a certain media platform, but at the end of the day it's not what you had to do to get it back in the day. It's accepted, it's it's customary today. And the reason why this happens, the reason why people can't see this truth, they're completely blind from this truth, is because they refuse to love the truth. They refuse to receive the love of the truth. And this this isn't just happened in this time, in this season. This went on for years. This, this actually happened when Jesus Christ walked the earth. There were many people who couldn't grasp the very miracle Christ performed. Right in front of their eyes. No matter how much you told them about it, explained it to them, how much Christ made it known to them, they still didn't get it. And this is one of the reasons why we find ourselves sometimes challenged with the people we communicate with. Because if you have a heart for God and you want to do his will and you want to go out and be a living proof, living testimony, a witness unto him. And you understand the, the end result of disobedience, of failing to repent, then you know that inside of you, you don't want to see anybody go to hell. You yourself don't want to go. So we try so hard to convince people, explain things, and they just can't grab it. All right? And, and I'm going to look at a letter that Paul had wrote to the Thessalonians that talks about this. Why people can't see. And then once we're done, we're going to look at a, a, an experience Jesus had uh, went through regarding the similar situation. And Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, we ask you not to be shaken in mind or in trouble either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. You know, Paul writing this letter really is an important piece to the faith. And the reason why it's so important is simply because many people were giving out false statements, false truths. They were saying that Jesus Christ had already come. And Paul was telling them, listen, no matter what communication you receive or how you even feel in your spirit, don't believe that Jesus Christ had already come. In verse three, he says, let no one deceive you by any means for the day or for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worship, as that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing him to himself that he is God. Paul is letting folks know, listen, before Christ get here, the Antichrist will be in the temple of God. He will be in Jerusalem, claiming to be God, showing himself to be God. People are going to worship this man like he is God. So that has to happen first. So don't let somebody fool you with some other, you know, story that isn't true as it relates to the Bible. 
And you know, Paul goes on in verse five, he says, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now you know what's restraining that he may be revealed in his own time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Now, Paul wrote this a long time ago, and he was saying the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. He was saying back in his time, what Satan is trying to do to shape the world, the Antichrist do to shape the world for the arrival of the son of perdition was already forming itself in the land back when Paul was in the ministry. Uh, and he says, uh, only he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now he's talking about the spirit of God restraining the Antichrist. And then the lawless one will be revealed who the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Important piece to the pie right here. Satan has all power, signs, and wonders. This is the lawless one's going to come. The son of Satan, the son of perdition. All power, signs, and lying wonders with all unrighteous deception among those who are perishing. And the reason why God gave it to them at the end of the day, because he says they, re they refused to receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And the re and, and God explains, Paul explains this right here in the next verse. He says, and for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who do, who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now there's tons of talks and descriptions and ways of defining unrighteousness in the Bible. It could be your own arrogance, a lack of humility, unforgiveness, sexual promiscuity, witchcraft, idolatry, sorcery. There's so many different things he talked about. He said all that rolls up into that one understanding of unrighteousness. He said they have pleasure in unrighteousness. And because of this, as the Bible says, at the end of the day, they're going to be condemned. They're going to be condemned and they will not be able to see the truth that God gives them that, that was given in the world so that they could be saved. You know, if God blinds you, he gives you a delusion. There is not a single thing a, a believer of Jesus Christ can do to change that. That's why Christ never told us to go out and try to convince anybody to be a follower of Christ. No, he didn't convince Anybody in his ministry, so he didn't tell us to go try to convince other people. He said, go and tell them to repent and be born again. He said, go make disciples. It's when a person comes into the faith as a disciple, when they are learning the will of God, walking in his, in his way, going through the word and, and dividing it rightly. But this doesn't, you don't, these actions aren't happening and they don't take place when you are out in the world trying to 
uh, when you're sharing the gospel, telling people the truth about gospel. You can't convince them. I was listening to this street preacher, I believe it was in Canada a couple of days ago. And he was out talking about repentance and, you know, don't end up in hell and giving all the truth about the word of God. And then this guy walks up and he says to the street preacher that he's not preaching love because he's out telling people about sin and stuff like that. He said, Jesus never did that. That's what he said. Jesus only talked about love. And you cannot find that nowhere in the Bible. You can find pieces of scripture and different experiences where Jesus showed love as he talked about the sins people needed to stop doing. But he didn't just hang out with people and not say anything as this is supposed to be a form of love. And the guy is arguing with the street preacher. He's just yelling at him and he won't give the guy a chance to talk and explain himself. And... The gentleman, the street preacher, ends up asking him a question. He said, are you gay? And that struck a massive nerve in the person that was on the corner. He got mad and he started cussing the guy out. It went from him appearing to be someone who claims to be a Christian too, said he goes to church. And he asked him, he said, are you gay? And eventually the gentleman storms off, tells him to, you know what? And boom, upset. And the reason why he's upset, because he shined a light on the place that the guy had pleasure in unrighteousness. He didn't want that dark deed to be exposed. And that's because of the strong delusion God gave this individual because he did not receive the love of the truth. That he may be saved. Living in condemnation. Blind is all get out. And feel like it's okay. Can still try to talk about how Jesus had this ministry of love. Not realizing that sexual promiscuity will not, will not be in heaven. Period. If you don't repent according to the Bible from the time of Christ, Christ's ministry. There's even prophecies in the Bible before Christ as well as the final uh, revelation of Christ given to John. Sexual promiscuity and, and a few other sins like being a coward, being a liar, being a thief will not enter in heaven. Only the devil can convince you that you are a believer in Jesus Christ and still walk in condemnation. All right. So there's a story in the Bible that shows this type of experience when Christ walked the earth. And it's one of the most interesting stories that points out several things about people who say they believe, but really don't believe. People who claim to be God's leaders or his children, but are really not. They're more deceived than they even realize. And a lot of times than other people realize. We're going to look at the story here in John chapter 9. Uh, we're going to get to the place, we're going to start right after the place where Jesus heals his blind man. He was born blind. And Jesus tells him to, you know, he comes up, gets some clay, he spit on the clay, put it on his eyes. He tell him to go to the pool of Siloam and wash his face. And when he did that, he was able to see again. And in verse 13 is where we're going to start reading that in, in John chapter 9. He says that he brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. 
Now it was on a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees asked him again, how did he receive his sight? And they said to them, he put clay on his eyes uh, and I washed and I see. And therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Now, this man heals, Jesus Christ heals this man of being blind with clay on his eyes and tell him to wash his face. And because he heals this man, gives him his sight, sight back, uh, actually didn't even give him his sight back because he never had it, but he lets him see. Uh, for the first time in his life, and because he does it on the Sabbath, he's not from God. Clear-cut deception. And he said, it, others have said, how can this man who was a sinner do such things? And it says that after this point, there was division among them. You got one side believing that he's not a sinner, the other side believing that he is a sinner. And they said to the blind man again, what did you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said he's a prophet. So they asked who basically, who was this man? Who do you call him? He said, the man called him a prophet. He didn't know exactly who he was. He was obedient and he received his sight back. But the Jews did not believe concerning him in verse 18. That he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents to him. Who had received his sight. Now, I love this part right here. This just shows you a lot of people like, oh, you know, I love my parents and you rightfully should love your parents. But Jesus, when you stand with Jesus, sometimes you're going to be the only one standing. And, and we're going to see that right here. In verse 19, he said, and they asked him saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered and said unto him, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we do not know. And who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. Now, will he speak for himself? Excuse me, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if someone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Listen, if, you, if your parent too afraid to testify, to stand by the name of Jesus Christ, knowing your story, knowing that you was blind, from birth, and yet Jesus Christ came and healed you, but you don't want to say because you worried about getting put out of the synagogue or whatever um, look people going to give you or experience you're going to go through, you better believe you got false preachers out there. You got false disciples. You got people who claim to be down for the Lord until it's time to stand on what they believe. That's one thing about you know, true leadership, true leadership is willing to be able to, to stand on what you believe, even if you got to stand by yourself. You know, so in verse 24. So then again, they called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. 
And he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that I was blind and now I see. And then he said to him again, what did he do to you? And how did he open your eyes? And he answered it to them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And, you know, I don't know if this guy was trying to be sarcastic or he was frustrated, but obviously that's not something you want to tell the people who kept calling Jesus a sinner. And verse 28 says, then they reviled him and said, you are his disciples, but we are Moses disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. And the man answered and said to him, why this is marvelous, a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. He, yet he opened my eyes. And in verse 34, now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone who worships a uh, worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. This is a great point to look at. A very, very great point to look at. The Bible says that those who worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. So first and foremost, before you worship God, you have to know the truth about who he is, period. And he said that God doesn't bless people. He doesn't answer their prayers. He doesn't make a way. He doesn't intervene for people who doesn't worship him, worship him or do his will. So, you know, and this is kind of a side note because I was looking at some of these um, people who were putting on these uh, success events, these how to change your life events, and they're preachers, they're ministers, they're pastors. And they're coming forth and telling people that God wants to open up the door and bless you. And here's some steps, here's some tactics, some strategies, some basic biblical principles to help you become successful in life. Only the devil can convince you to create these steps for success to give to people who have not even repented for their sins. And he only he can convince you to open up a, a, a venue and sell tickets to learn how to succeed as a follower of Jesus Christ, but in the same time, gain wealth and prosperity and success and all these other things people are searching after. When they receive these uh, blessings, if you will, or they get these advancements or whatever it is that they're doing, yet they don't worship God, nor do they do his will, know this, the blessing they got did not come from God. The Bible says if you uh, don't listen to him and you don't do his will, God doesn't hear you. He don't listen to sinners. He listens to the obedient. So I just wanted to point that out because, I mean, that's a big thing in this season. A lot of people are coming out telling people how to make money, how to be successful, especially in a, a recession type situation where the economy is all messed up. Who doesn't want to come in and make some extra money? Who don't want to have this, you know, success opportunity that helps them get over the hump and then eventually create more wealth? But here come the false teachers and false preachers peddling the gospel so that they can help you get rich. And in the day, all you're doing is help them get rich when you buy your ticket. But we're going to continue in verse 32. It says, since the world began, it has 
been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. In verse 34, he said, they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sin and you are teaching us and they cast him out. So they didn't really have no kind of uh, reason to bring this guy before the Pharisees. The Pharisees had no excuse. They couldn't really get any type of like evidence or proof. They couldn't get anything. They had no ground to stand on. So at the end of the day, they go all the way back to, well, this guy was born in sin. He was born blind. So let's just kick him out. And unfortunately, that is a lot of what we see today. I've been uh, booted out of churches myself. No proof, no evidence, nothing that they claim to be true, uh, nothing. But because uh, I don't follow the lie, are you still coming to this church? Are you still here? I've heard that before. In verse 35, this is the part that explains really um, those who say they uh, believe in God or those who say they follow Jesus Christ or those who don't. And you tell them the truth about the end time and what's going on in the world today. According to biblical truth, uh, they look at you like you're crazy and say you, 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 you're missing it. You don't know what you're talking about. You're a conspiracy theorist. In verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, he said unto him, do you believe in the son of God? And he answered and said to him, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Verse 37. And Jesus said unto him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And I and he worshiped him. And verse 39, Jesus said to him, for judgment, I have come into the world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be blind. And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? And Jesus said to him, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. See, the reason why people can't see, can't grasp, can't comprehend what's truly going on in the world today is because they refuse to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's it. And because of this, they refuse to receive the love of the truth. What's the truth? Christ. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Period. And yet you got these Pharisees here who say that they were disciples of Moses. That they believed that they were God's people. That they were his chosen to do his will. And it's so interesting when you go back to verse 24, they tell the blind man, they say, give God the glory. For we know that this man is a sinner. So many people today will say to God be the glory. I'm sure we've all heard it before. But very few people want to say Christ. Why is that? Because at the end of the day, a lot of people truly don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There's still an argument that exists today that how can a man be born of a virgin? That doesn't make any sense to me. And then you got those who even look at the fact that when church operated during slavery here in America, 
that their argument is because they use the Bible to oppress slaves, to control slaves, that, you know, the Bible is not true. So many different statements and ways and, and, and basically avenues people use as excuses to not say that Jesus Christ is son of God. They don't want to receive the love of the truth, which is Jesus Christ. Same as the Pharisees, they refuse it. They argue with the blind man who they knew was blind as, as a child, as, as born blind. And they knew that the parents knew he was born blind. They brought the parents in. And then they go out and they talk to Jesus Christ after they kick the man out of the synagogue. And, and they ask the silly question, are we blind also? But he says to them, he says, because you say you see, therefore your sin remains. A lot of people are like that today. They claim to see the truth through science, through medicine, through politicians, through whatever the case may be. All these different, you know, explanations the enemy gives people to help them uh, see what they believe the truth is and how the world is operating. And yet here it is. Jesus Christ says, because they claim to see their sin still remains. And if their sin still remains, meaning they're not in Christ Jesus, they have not been redeemed. They're not reconciled unto God. And therefore, they will not spend eternity with him. As I, I've said it multiple times, and I, and I will continue to say it, the Apostle Paul spoke on this. Christ said the time will come. Every disciple makes mention of this. Revelations is truly about all of this, that this is the season for mass deception. This is what Satan is using every avenue he can, whether it's on social media, mainstream media, uh, public schools, private schools, churches, your community, newspapers, whatever he can to, to help deceive and keep people deceived because they refuse to love the truth. You can't come into this faith, be born again, receive baptism in the Holy Spirit and still be blind. It's impossible. Jesus Christ uh, is the one who makes you new. He transforms you. He gives you sight in a way that have you see things that was always there wicked, but you never knew before when you was walking in unrighteousness. The word of God says he is a, he, that you become a new creature in Jesus Christ. You don't see things the way you used to. However, it also talked about, as we read earlier, that there should be a great falling away. And that falling away is those who, who were led astray, who chose to either disobey the truth, who chose to, be, uh, dis to walk in sin, who, who rather not live the right way. And, you know, they're now blind to the truth or uh, either spiritually blind or willfully blind, period. So I share that today because a lot of us who are out here speaking the truth of God's word, uh, exposing the light of Christ on the, on the satanic darkness that runs the earth, probably have trouble trying to get people to see things. But know that Jesus Christ did not argue. He didn't spend all day trying to convince people. He didn't try to put together no seminars. 
to try to help people see that they need to come into this faith and repent. He simply shared the truth. That was it. He spoke the truth. He shared it. This is the, one of the reasons why when Jesus Christ sends the disciples out, he told them if they don't accept you and your words, he said, when you leave them, he says, shake the dust off your feet. It'll be worse for them uh, than it was for those who went through, who were in Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and one of the biggest reasons why Jesus doesn't want us spending all our time trying to convince people to come into the faith, to convince people to be baptized, because it, it tells us in the scriptures that the harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. We have to, you know, the gospel is supposed to be on the move. It's not stagnant in a place trying to get people to see the truth and hopefully one day they'll catch it. That's not what Jesus Christ called us to do. And we can get frustrated like that. I myself knows this. I've experienced it. I, I get into these conversations. I've, I've had, uh, you know, in the past, I've said, listen, let me give you the, the most uh, broken down, deep and profound scripture. And, and what Christ was saying. And, and you try to give people like 20 scriptures about the same thing. And, and at the end of the day, they, they say you're crazy. And we have to look at it like Jesus looked at it and do what he did. He just simply gave the truth. But he didn't stay there too long and kept trying to make people see what was going on and how things ought to work out. His true teachings and his long teachings and the teachings that uh, really were set out to, to build people, to... Uh, empower them to have them walk in the will of God, those were given to the disciples. He didn't give those uh, true jewels, if you want, if you will, the, the understanding of parables to anybody. The 5,000 that he, he taught to, they got the surface teaching. They got the teaching that was ultimately an invitation for them to come follow Christ. But when he, when he broke it down, it was for the disciples. That's why I always you know, tell people. That's why Jesus Christ never said, go make Christians. He didn't say go make churchgoers. He said, go make disciples. Those who are willing to follow him. Those who want the understanding. Those who want to know what's really going on in this season. Those are the people he said, go make. But we don't see that a lot today. It's biblical prophecy. Period. You know, I shared a uh, a post on LinkedIn, I think it was today. Yeah, I shared it on today and it was, it was blocked. In nine minutes, they blocked the link. Said it went against their community standards. And this link was explaining what a doctor said, I think it was back in 2020 or 2021, about what happens if you take the vaccine. What's going to happen in six months? And I believe it was 12 months and then 15 months or something like that. I'm not sure the, the exact uh, days or the time frame, but he explained what will happen once you take it. And now what we see is what this doctor explained. The, the, the video was taken off of YouTube. Uh, you can't find it on Google. It was through um, a social media platform called Rumble, which is not you know a popular platform because they don't censor people like all the other ones out there. Um, so I, I took it down and shared, but one of the things I made known to a lot of people who were on the post, I said, listen, this is, you know, we are living in the end times. The Antichrist will come and he will not agree with free speech. 
He's going to need a, a world view, a world speech where everybody's on the same page, basically bowing down to him, worshiping him. And that's it. I didn't get a lot of response back from that. I think I, I think I didn't get any response, actually. Because that's the truth described in the Bible. It talks about what's going to happen. That is not understood by many because, in the, again, we see what happened with the blind man and what the Apostle Paul writes in Thessalonians, that because they refused to receive the love of the truth, they're blind. There's a delusion that came over them. So when they see that kind of stuff, they think it's just a conspiracy theory or, you know, time's going to get better. That's just hocus pocus stuff. No, it's biblical truth. It's biblical prophecy and the word of God cannot fail. It has not failed. It's the only book in the Bible. It's the only book on the planet that has continued to live up to its reputation. It's not like them success books where you try it. Oh, it don't work. Then I go back to Barnes and Noble and buy another success book and see if this one works. The Bible is fail proof. But only someone who has in their heart accepted Jesus Christ and believe that he is the son of God can see this. So I want to, you know, just encourage everyone out there to let the Holy Spirit lead you. in what you see in the world today. We as believers have to realize the, the importance of submitting and yielding to the Holy Spirit. Because the delusions that Satan gives, that he's trying to give to the believers who say they come into the faith, are very, very powerful. He just needs us to deviate a little bit. That's all he needs us to do. I've said it you know, in the past that when Jesus Christ came out of the wilderness for 40 days of fasting, there was a reason why Satan attempted him with turning the stone into bread. You would think that, you know, kind of logically, if the first thing Satan would have came to Jesus would was simply to, you know, hey, look at all this in the world. I can give you all this in the world if you just bow down and worship me. To me, that would have made more like logical sense. Because, heck, if you give me everything in the world, then what's a bread from a stone? I can get tons of that if I have the, the world in my hand and all its splendor. But the reason Satan came to Jesus Christ with this small test, this small temptation of turning the stone into bread, because all he needed is a little twist. That's it. He just needs you to bite a little bit. And if you bite just a bit, you'll bow down and, and get that splendor from the world. And you find yourself saying, to God be all the glory and make almost no mention of Christ Jesus. Like the Pharisees who, who really thought they were, they were, uh, you know, God's people. Satan told them clearly, or excuse me, Christ told them clearly, said, you are children of Satan, not God. Your father is the devil. So in this season of mass deception, let the Holy Spirit lead you. He'll guide you through every problem, through every uh, misunderstanding, what's really going on in the world today, what the doctors really want to do to you, what the politicians are really talking about. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't.
put my trust in a single human being. The Bible says those who says the, the, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but those who trust in the Lord are kept safe. This is the season for people to repent from their dependency on man in every form, whether it's financial, it's medical, uh, mental, emotional, whatever the case may be, it's the season to repent and turn completely away and put our trust in the Lord 100%. He's going to come at us with that very, that one little thing. For Jesus Christ, it was a, a, a stone into bread because he was hungry after 40 days with no food. We all have our little or even our major trials where that little thing can catch us and, and, and pull us in. We all know what those are, the things that we are in need of. And that's what we need to be mindful of. Where are we going to get our needs met? Who are we reaching out to? Because I tell you what, God will not have you compromise. He will not have you deny your faith in Jesus Christ to bless you. That's a that's a good telltale sign right there. But let's be on guard this season with the full armor that Paul describes, leadership of the Holy Spirit, and standing on God's word and nothing else. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the life that you've given us, the strength, the health. I thank you for your your truth in the word. I thank you that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword, and it cuts both ways. And the enemy cannot stand against your truth. That's why he always manipulates. And us who are walking and serving you and worshiping you, obeying you, we see this. I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to move through the lives of all those who walk according to your will and that the enemy, no matter what he does, will be defeated every single time he comes against the children of God. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.